Christians. We were talking this morning in Sunday school about imputed and imparted. I thought I would just say that and just move right on, but we had a lot of questions down there, and so uh, it's a great place to ask questions and learn. I want to key off of last week. I, this topic of righteousness is so important. We hear it, it goes in, but if we don't have an understanding of what it really means in our life, the benefit of righteousness, it won't help us. When we hear a topic, anything from the Bible, uh, Paul talked about in Hebrews 4, it said they heard the gospel, but they didn't mix it with faith. Anything in the gospel that you don't mix with faith, okay, it will, it will be no benefit to you. That's Satan's big deal was to try to get the Word of God just to bounce off of you, go in one ear and out the other. And honestly, that is the purpose of sin and these trials. It's to harden your heart. Harden your heart so you're not receptive. That whole thing with being offended, right? When you get offended, I think everybody's been offended. We've had things happen that offend us. The whole thing with offense is to get your heart locked up in offense so you can't receive the Lord. And I'm telling you, every person in this room, every one of us, Satan is trying to neutralize you. And I'm not trying to give the devil credit. I'm really not. But it's just a fact. And I see it as a, I see these attacks on people. And we're either going to take these attacks and we're going to triumph, right, through Christ. We're going to triumph over these attacks. And that's what God wants. Or they're going to knock us off the path that we're on. Someone say amen. But that's not God's plan for you. God's plan is that you finish your course with joy. You run this race with patience and with joy. But you do have an enemy. And as a pastor, I hear, you know, this and that and this and this and that. And I, I know when I'm praying, I know it's just the enemy of your soul or the, um, the, just the principle of life itself, how, you know, um, entropy, just everything in life trying to take us down, you know. But we can win in this battle of life. We can follow God's plan for our life if we take the gospel and we mix it with faith. There was a confession movement. Please uh, get over to Romans 10. Wait there. I'll be there. There was a confession movement back in the 80s. I actually got saved during the confession movement, uh, faith, and, faith and confession, the faith movement and all this. And one of the things we were taught is how important it was with your confession. I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. But uh, some teachers, they taught a lot about, you know, you could confess getting a new car or confess getting a new house or confess this and that. I don't have any problem if someone's believing God for something. I really don't. But my problem is, you know, in, in, where you're being taught confess this and that and this. One of the greatest things you can confess in your life is the word of righteousness. And what Paul was talking about here in Romans 10, which we'll get into, is confessing Jesus as Lord, believing in your heart, and the word of righteousness, how God has made you righteous in Christ. Let that be your confession. Your righteousness before God, the fact that God sees you in Christ and he sees you as righteous, is so powerful and is a key that will unlock any door that's hindering you from the will of God in your life, if you understand it. I think I'll read here in the scripture. I'm going to slow way down. I want you to get this. Guys, are you in the word? 
Before we're done today, Jeff, I want us all to stand up and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's where it's at. It's in Jesus. I, I, I want you to say that. I want you to understand what God has done for you and how that affects your life, how it affects your walk with God, how it affects your prayers, how it affects how you actually live. Okay, let's read. I'm going to start in chapter 9, right before chapter 10. Um, I'm going to go with verse 30 in chapter 9. And I just really want want to slow down. I really do. I, I, this stuff just gets in me like an engine, and it can just come out like a, what are those guns, those Tommy guns. I don't want it to be that way. I don't want to be a Tommy gun today. I want to slow down. Now, Paul, Paul's making a point here when he says, what shall we say then? And I can't read the whole Bible in, in every Sunday morning, so I just got to start here, okay? But it's always good to find out what he's talking about when he says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained righteousness. They weren't looking to be righteous, okay, the Gentiles. Gentiles were people that were outside of the promises and covenants of God. Most of you in here, you're not Jewish, so you're a Gentile. Even the righteousness of faith, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. That's why many of us don't attain to righteousness either, because you're not living your life by faith. You're still trying to earn or deserve or merit what God has given you as a gift. I talked last week about how that affects your life. I'm going to talk about a little bit more this week, how it affects your life. But as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, whoever believes in him. See Paul's language? It's all throughout Romans. I mean, this is not an aberrant thought here. They will not be put to shame. Brethren, my heart's desire, and this goes back to what we've been praying, Gideon, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness, they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, their zeal for God is misplaced. You can be very zealous for God and the devil tie you up in knots. There are Jehovah Witnesses that truly are very zealous for God. But they don't know who Jesus is and they stumble right there. I got a, I met a guy at the gym Friday, and, you know, just, I, just the way the Lord deals me, I go in the gym, I look, and I to holy, talk to him, and it's just the thing with me and the Lord. I told this in Sunday school, I told you I'd tell it twice, here I go. So I went and hung my coat up, and I sat down, and I started doing uh, these push down for your triceps. <laughs> pushing down, and I did, yeah, right, yeah, thanks. You're going to find out why it's really nothing to whistle about right now. You're going to find out why. But I'm doing these things, and uh, sure enough, man, just like Jesus, just like Jesus, the guy walks over, and he was way on the other end on legs, okay? He walks over and plops down right next to me. I'm like, yeah, I know, Lord. And I get done doing my one exercise, and I turn, 
And I said, hey, and I said something like, do I know you? Because he looked familiar, but I, I didn't know him. But he looked familiar. Anyway, he takes his goggles off, these ear things off his head, and I didn't do another exercise. <laughs> that was it. That's why I looked the way I do. And I, him and I just talked about Jesus and God. But what was this is why I bring this up. I started talking to him, and he was using biblical language a little bit at the beginning. But then pretty soon, man, he was talking about the chakra and the third eye and Christ consciousness. And uh, I'm, a lot of, honestly, it was a lot of New Age stuff. At first, I thought he was a, a brother in the Lord. And, and I was sitting there thinking, I said, Lord, I am so glad that I have studied this stuff. I am so glad I know where the Bible, he was telling me like the Catholic Bible was tainted and they, the Catholics polluted the word. And I've studied, I know where we got our Bible. I've studied, we studied that on the Tuesday night, how we got our Bible. I know it's baloney. We have very good reasons to trust the New Testament and the Old Testament. We have documents dated back to 125 AD, a portion of John 18. We have uh, full texts of the scriptures dated back to 350 that were copied and quoted by Justin Martyr back in the 200, like 200 AD. We have very good, there's over all, just less than 6,000 Greek manuscripts that we have. Did you guys know that? We learned about it on our Tuesday night class. And I know no one, it all agrees, no one changed it all. What Justin Martyr quoted in 200 AD is the same thing that is in the stuff in 400 AD, there are little, little uh, grammatical differences and stuff, but basically the same thing. So I know when people tell me that, they're full of baloney. It's a lot of that new age teaching people get. What they're trying to do is get you off your foundation. But what happened? This is why I bring this up. He was establishing his righteousness in himself. And every religion, and I, you know, I'm not a per, I don't like to you know, bang on people's beliefs and religion, but you're the church and you need to know this. Every religion will always derive your righteousness based on your religion or based on your works. His was Christ consciousness, so we get a certain level of knowledge and understanding, and we get a Christ consciousness, and then we arrive. He said, we're in the generation of Christ consciousness. That is out there, folks. Anybody ever ran into it yet? It's out there, trust me. It's really an old Gnostic heresy is what it is. It was Paul faced it way back years and years ago, Gnosticism, Paul faced it, that people thought they were going to arrive in some type of Christ consciousness or God consciousness. What was amazing was every time I tried to take him back to Jesus, he finally said, why are you so hung up on Jesus? And I said, because Jesus saved me, that's why. I said, because Jesus saved me. I was a sinner, and I was living a life of sin, and nothing I ever tried, studied, or did changed me until I humbled myself, and I went down to that altar and gave my life to Jesus and let Him fill me with the Holy Spirit. Something fundamentally happened to me that day that changed my life forever, and I'm not leaving the gospel ship. How about you? Amen. Don't let people talk. It sounds so impressive. It's all about love and Christ consciousness and universal awareness. The thing is, it always winds up in immorality sooner or later. There's no sin, you know, no hell below. Imagine there's no heaven, no hell below, you know. It always winds up taking you off course. Guys, I am going to command you. I am going to beseech you. I am going to urge you, don't ever leave Jesus. Amen. You will thank me, and I know most of you aren't going to, whether I tell you to or not, 
but don't ever leave Jesus. You will arrive safely to heaven's shore if you put your faith in Jesus. That's the truth. Remember that when you go to college. You're going to hear a lot of stuff in college. It's Jesus. And I mean Jesus. How many can say with me, Jesus really saved me? I was one way. I know. I was one way, and I gave myself to Jesus, and I became another way. I became a different person because of Jesus. It wasn't chakra or the limbic, the limbic nerve or, you know, Christ consciousness. I was a sinner needing a Savior, and I got saved. Someone say amen. amen. So the Jews in this situation, the, the nation of Israel, they were seeking righteousness based on the law. But even though God wanted them to obey the laws, He did, their good commandments, their righteousness was never going to come by the law, because everyone breaks it, okay? Their righteousness was always going to be given to them by God. I don't have time to go into that, but, but righteousness has always been by faith. He says, they being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of it. No man will be declared right before God based on the law. Or, read over chapter 11, verse 6, by works. You are not going to be declared right with God because you get everything right and do it right. You're declared right with God because of the blood of Jesus. And His blood cleansed you of all your sins. And when you accepted Jesus, you accepted His righteousness as a gift, God looked at you and said, not guilty, sins forgiven, blood covered all your sins. And he put the spirit of his son inside of you. Someone say amen. And now you stand righteous before God. Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks like this. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or do not descend into the abyss, he's quoting Deuteronomy, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith. Now I'm not talking about word of faith, I want a car, or I want a house, I'm talking about the word of faith and the righteousness of Christ. The word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth, everybody say with me, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Say, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. Now, we've got to talk about what salvation is. And I, you know, I can't, like I said, I can't preach it all in, in, in one week. Salvation is a big term. One thing you're saved from is the wrath of God. He told you that back in chapter 4. That right there, honestly, if, you, if you're a saved person in this room, just knowing that you've been saved from the wrath of God, you, you ought to be dancing. Because God has wrath on sin, and one day, it's, we're, we're in the age of grace. He's pouring out grace. That's why we're to preach the gospel. We're to get as many people into the ark as we can preaching the gospel, praying for people, but one day there will be, God's wrath will be poured out on you people that reject the truth. 
I'm not ashamed of that. It's in the Word. I know how I was living before I got saved. You too, Charlie? I know what I deserved. I know, that I know what my life was all about. I know I didn't deserve heaven. I don't know about you, but I know I didn't deserve, deserve heaven. I thank God for Jesus. I'm so grateful. But one day, but one thing He saved us from is wrath and other things too. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But the Scripture says, whoever believes in Him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is rich over all who call upon Him, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what God has done for us, this is where I want to get back in that kind of Sunday school mode, what God has done for us, guys, in Jesus, when He puts you in Jesus, you're in Christ, when He puts you in Jesus, all of your sins, as you know, have been put on Jesus, and He has paid for every one of your sins, every one of them. And He has remitted them, they've been remitted, they are gone they are in the sea of God's forgetfulness. He will never chide you or get on you for your sins. You may remember them, but God will not. Say, Lord, remember when I was a kid and I did that, God? No, I really don't remember that, Brad. I have cast your sea as far as the east is from the west. That's like, I don't remember. And I will remember your sins no more. That's what God did in Christ when He declared you righteous, and He made you righteous. Romans 5.19 says, you were made righteous in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that you are the righteousness of God, always in Christ. Here's why this is important, folks. There's more than one reason, but one reason is we can always go before God as sons and daughters of God, we can, through the blood of Jesus and His righteousness and let our requests be made known to God. We should be expecting our prayers to be answered. You're not going before God a worm and a lowly sinner, rejected. That's not how God looks at you. Now, I understand your behavior may be despicable. Well, you've got to change it, and there's a way. I'm, I'm going to talk about how you can change your behavior. You should not have shame. The devil is in the shame game. Now, I know if you're living a life of sin, it's shameful. I can't tell you the things I used to do because I'm ashamed of them. I mean, I've told you some. I'm ashamed of the stuff I used to do. I'm not going to boast about it. But God changed me. Satan wants to mar you with shame. You don't have to be ashamed of your life. You don't have to walk with your head down. And one of the ways that Satan tries to neutralize us is to keep us in constant condemnation when we can't go to God and pray to God and believe that we stand righteous before Him and get our prayers answered or operate in our authority, which Ken's going to teach on. You will never operate in your authority if you're walking in condemnation. Now, you don't have to walk in condemnation because there's no condemnation in Christ. Amen? But if Satan can keep you in condemnation or life can keep you in condemnation, if you don't see what Jesus has done for you, you'll never operate in your authority and you'll never go boldly to God and pray for things that he's promised you. You'll never believe God for the promises of God. You'll never believe there's a better day. You'll never believe in the vision that God puts in your life. You'll always be retreating and retiring, living in condemnation, not rising up into your rights and privileges as a Christian. 
You have been, we have been seriously marred by the fall. Seriously marred by the sin of Adam. Our consciousness, guilty, shame, defeat, all afraid, uh, Paul says we're afraid of death. So when COVID came, a lot of people, not everybody, get afraid, living in fear. You know, you know, ah, this economy's crashing, and that's the fear of death. We're afraid of the punishment that's been meted out because of the fall. But honestly, that's not for the Christian. The wrath of God certainly isn't for the Christian. I didn't say perilous times wouldn't come and things would come. But if our faith is firmly in the Lord, then we have exceedingly great and precious promises. We can anchor down in the promises of God. We can anchor down in the privileges of God. And we can overcome in this world. Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have tribulation. Don't be surprised by it. But good news, in me, you will overcome. And you can live a life of joy. I literally, talking to that guy this week, I, I was giggling. I don't know why. I mean, I, I want to be uh, serious with people, and I, I kept needing to stop myself. But I was giggling. I wasn't laughing at him. I really wasn't. I was giggling because I was so happy I had Jesus. I was, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm just grateful that I know Jesus and that he's in my life and I can follow him. As I've said, I've been on this journey with the Lord here lately, and, 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 and I really mean this. Like, I can see... Everything that the enemy is trying to do to stop us from moving forward in God, but I'm getting a glimpse about who God made me, who I really am. When you lay your life down and say, I'm dead, like I'm living for Jesus, no holds barred, that's when joy comes. I mean, when you lay your life down for the Lord, you say, Lord, I'm living for you. I'm not living for anybody else. I mean, I serve people through Jesus. But when you lay your life down and say, Lord, I'm in this. Hey, life is a vapor. I'm just here for a while. And you lay your life down for the Lord. That's when joy starts coming in your life. Say, Lord, take out anything in me that's preventing me from living that type of life. That's when provision comes. That's when God's blessing comes. Because now you and God are pushing together. You're not half in, half out. I'm doing it today. I'm not doing it tomorrow. That's what works righteousness does for you. You feel like God loves you one day. He doesn't love you the next. You did good today, so God loves you. And you did bad tomorrow. He doesn't love you, right? My husband treated me good today. I feel good about myself. My sister treated me bad tomorrow. I don't feel good about myself. Do you get me? You're blown, we get blown around because we're basing everything on all this stuff that's blowing us around rather than putting our faith and trust in what God has done for us in Jesus. Now, here's what happens, and I'm out of time. When we base our righteousness on the finished work of Christ, something begins to happen in us. Something fundamentally begins to change in us. I've been talking about it. I mentioned this morning in Sunday school what God has showed me, and this other preacher talked about it. I started practicing it. Every morning when I go to God, this is where I kind of just want to give you some practical application. What do you say? We believe where? In our heart. How do we connect to that heart belief? This is an assignment for you, 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 everybody. How do you connect with that heart belief? By faith, there's a heart-mouth connection. Okay? Heart-mouth. If you stand there and you're, I always talk to Pam about this. We, we go around and around on this. If you stand there and you're boxing, like uh, Jerry Lewis, and uh, he's the box, and you're sitting there with your arms down, and you got someone punching you, and you're just standing there taking it, you're not going to go very far. Many of us in our walk with the Lord, 
We just stand there and we just take it. Have our hands down, don't have any armor on, the breastplate of righteousness. Don't have our guard up, you know, the shield of faith blocking. We don't have our helmet of salvation on, renewing our mind to what the Word says, standing, and we're just getting bludgeoned by the devil. No helmet, no shield, you know, no armor, and, you know, and God, not even, and, and not speaking the Word of God, we're just getting bludgeoned. I'm, I'm challenging you, when you go into your prayer closet tomorrow, and I hope you're praying, okay, start declaring what the Word of God says about you, especially if you don't feel good about yourself. Go in that prayer closet and say, Father, I thank you that Jesus died for me and I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, I thank you that Jesus rose from the dead and he justified me. And through the blood of Jesus and the life of Jesus, I can approach your throne boldly. Now, if you've got consciousness that you've sinned, well, you do. Father, forgive me. I yelled at Pam. I am so sorry. Lord, forgive me. I'll tell her. I'll go tell her I'm sorry. I'll repent. Pam, forgive me. I think 10 years ago I yelled at you, whatever. Forgive me. And you just deal with it. The Bible says God's faithful and just to forgive. I can't teach everything in one session. You just believe, I've received forgiveness. I'm not under condemnation. And you say, Lord, I thank you. I'm declared righteous. Father, your spirit is in me. God, your anointing is on my life. My life has purpose and meaning because you said it does. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Your word says, if I lack wisdom, I can have it. Jesus has been made unto me wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30, I receive your wisdom. I believe you're directing my path. That's the word of faith, guys. That's the word of faith. All I'm doing, Jeffrey, is I'm just speaking the word. It's the word of faith. Lord, I believe you're directing my path because you said you would. Lord, I believe I'm righteous before you because you said I was, because my faith is in Jesus. How many of you do that? Stand up in your prayer closet and talk like that. I mean, if you're honest, yeah, just a few. I don't know why you don't. It's the word of God. How did uh, Jesus defeat the devil? Three, three times he spoke the word to him. You should be speaking the word to uh, accusation. They overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb, that's the righteousness of Christ. He has made me righteous. The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm speaking the word. Faith pleases God. Did you know that? He wants to know that you believe in His Son. He wants to know that you trust Jesus. He wants to know when people are cute, things are going, He wants to know that you can stand up and you can trust Jesus. Now here's what happens when you start doing that. When you start saying to the Lord, Lord, I believe that you're my righteousness. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that the spirit of your son is in me. Those are all, I could give you 10 scriptures on each of those. That's all the truth, right? When you start doing that, that's faith. You start becoming the image of that thing that you're believing. You start becoming, you're looking into the mirror of God's word. This is good, Maria. I, I'm going to ask you when I see you next, are you doing it? Are you speaking the word? You become transformed into that image you, that you're seeing in the Word of God. You become like that. When you do, I'm telling you, when you start confessing what Jesus says about you, and what I'm talking about the believer, the unbeliever, you need to get saved. Okay, you, you can't make these declarations if you're not saved, right? You, but I believe most of us are always in here, probably have given our lives to the Lord. 
you get up and you speak that word, it starts changing you. You become conformed into that image. And you'll be at the pumps and you'll know that you're righteous and you'll know that Jesus is with you because you've been speaking it and something inside you is saying, go over and talk to her. Tell her that God loves her. Go help that person because your whole image of yourself has changed. You're not a victim anymore, getting beat up by the devil. You're a son of God that's here to do something. Amen? You're the one that's going to tell people that Jesus loves them. You're the one that's going to go out and heal the sick, raise the dead. You're the one that's going to invite a homeless person because it totally changes the image. That last part of uh, Revelation says, and they love not their life unto the death. All three of those go together. We surrender our life to Jesus. Totally. You're it, Jesus. I'm walking in you. Blood of Jesus makes me righteous. Okay? The word I overcome by the word of God. The word of faith. I, I, when I first heard this, I always thought it was how to get a car or something. I don't mind praying for a car if I need one. There's something so much fundamentally more important to us. If we seek first, yeah, yeah, but we need, if you need a car, pray for one. I'll agree with you. But we seek first the kingdom of God and all his, hey, all his, where's that righteousness at? It's in Jesus, and then all these things will be added to you. That's why in Timothy, Paul said, some people are pursuing after money, and they said, don't do that. He said, pursue after righteousness, faith. He gives you a list of things to pursue, because when you pursue after those things, the things that you need pursue after you. And there's a lot of scriptures on that. Can't get into it. So two things to take home, take away. There's actually more, but two things. You should be getting up, Sister Amy, when you pray, or if you pray in the afternoon, you should be getting up and declaring what God is saying about you, because that's how you overcome the devil. You know, all that armor you put on that the Bible talks about, at the end of it, what do you do? When, you, when you've got your breastplate of righteousness on, the righteousness of Christ, when you've got your shield of faith up there blocking the devil's arrows, you've got that helmet of salvation on, you've got gospel shoes on your feet, you've got truth girt about your waist, what, what do you do? When all that stuff happens, then what do you do? You take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You stand. Yeah, you're right. You take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Start wielding that sword. You start wielding that sword. Speak the Word. And then you go to other people and pray for them and wield the sword. That becomes an offensive. Everything's defense except that sword, the Word of God. You just start wielding that sword. But do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the good news? Start mixing your faith Take action, stand up and declare it. That's number one. When you really believe it and your heart's right, you don't allow the devil to steal the word. You don't let him get in there. Righteousness begins to, like I preached last week, it begins to work in you like a fruit. You start, you're, you're connected to the vine, Jesus. His sap, his spirit is pouring through you. You're connected, you're one with him. The Holy Spirit's pouring through Jesus the head into you and fruit is being produced in your life. By faith. It's God's grace. By faith. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. You know when you got saved, you had a real encounter with God. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. In my own life, and I know this is your testimony too, and I am, I am closing. In my own life, this produces holiness in my life. 
I'm not confessing righteousness and then running out and sinning. It's just the opposite. Why would I want to do that anyway? This produces true righteousness. This, produces, this brings Jesus into my life. It brings boldness into my life, sharing Jesus with people because condemnation has been dealt with. Shame has been dealt with. Guilt has been dealt with, and you deal with fear, and you're in a love relationship with God where you know He loves you, and you love God, and now you can pour that love out to others. You're not, you lose your self-focus. I got so much more I could say, but I got to stop. How many of you will take the Word of God, put it in your heart, and you'll speak it out of your mouth? Anybody do that? I'm going to ask you. I'm going to, hey, you've been doing it? It'll change your life if you believe it. It will change your life. You'll start seeing things different. It is the righteousness of faith. It works with a heart-mouth connection. When the heart-mouth do it, your actions will start changing too. Are you guys with me? Okay. Let's say that. Want everybody stand up? You don't believe me? You say, well, I can't. Just turn to 2 Corinthians 5.21 and just read it if you can't say this, okay? Just read it out loud because it's in the Bible. Say with me, I am, according to the Word of God, the righteousness of God in Christ. Okay, sit down. I, I got to do this. Then, then I'm, If you're here... And you have never been saved. I can't, I don't know anybody here that's never been, I just look around. I know y'all, I don't, you know, but if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to make that confession, you want to turn your life over, put your trust in God, I'm going to pray with you. Is, are you here? Anybody like that? I'm not, I'm not going to make it like some big call. I'm looking around. I know you guys. You love the Lord. You guys love the Lord. Okay, praise the Lord. I, I saw it. I thought you did. Okay, well, let me pray for you, and we'll get back. We'll see you uh, next Sunday at 9 o'clock for Sunday school. All right, Father, thank you for a bunch of righteous dudes in here, Lord, a lot of righteous people in this room, Lord, people. And thank you that it's because of the gift of righteousness. We're not making any boast, Lord, in anything. Our boast is in Jesus. He's made us righteous by a gift, and you've put us in Christ by an act of just your grace in our life. We want to live it out, Lord. Teach us how to believe in our heart that this stuff's true. Lord, how we can stand before you, getting prayers answered, using the authority you've given us, the name of Jesus, how we can walk in true righteousness and holiness. Let this revelation grow in us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. It's only 12.